You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. Hi, everybody out there in One of Us world. This is Matt Foster. And I'm Trevor Teacherheo. You may have heard one, the other, or both of us on Screener Squad. Or maybe you heard neither of us. That's not helpful. You can atone if you've heard neither of us by listening to Screener Squad or by catching our show, the Nighthawks podcast. Oh, good save. Yeah, take a seat in the Nighthawks diner with us. Get ready to get to the granular grist of the movies we love. And sometimes the movies we like really hard. You can find us on Spotify, Audible, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and always at nighthawkspodcast.com. Everybody's got those rough days at work. Those days where things don't work out, your boss doesn't appreciate you, the customers don't appreciate you, the non-customers don't appreciate you, and then there are some days where things go really wrong, and this is one of them... Currently, I am on the highway at a truck stop running from the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. I am Trevor Trujillo, and this is One of Us Net. We will be reviewing Revealer, a new Shutter original premiering this month. And in the booth with us, we have the prideful Luane. Hey. The lustful Jordan. Hello. And the wrathful Ray. Hello. Well, folks, we are taking a look at Revealer today, a new film from Paper Street Pictures. Basically, it's about, I I don't know, what would you call this, uh, an adult arcade or a peep show employee? Uh, She is an exotic dancer, a little uh, hardened by life, and uh, she shows up to work one day through a crowd of self-righteous religious protesters. Things start to take a turn for the worst, a problem of biblical proportions. What we are treated to is a bottle movie where the danger is outside and inside we have our stripper who has become trapped with the ringleader of the religious protesters and they must work together and settle their differences if they are to make it out. I mean, you could have just said all hell breaks loose because that seems Ah. to be what's going on. When I first started watching this, I actually was like, okay, so there's like four people, some extras, like one location. God damn it. Why didn't I do this? You're right. It's a bottle. Well, a cage movie, I guess. Something like that. It's it's something like that. It's all in one place. Um, Yeah. I don't know if you mentioned specifically, but this is also like in the 80s. So there's, you know, VHS and some delightful costumes and some other stuff that goes with it as well. I don't know. I've never lived anywhere where there were protesters outside the strip joint, but maybe that's a thing elsewhere. Oh, that is a thing. And when you have to walk through it, it is doesn't start your day off very well, let me tell you. Look, if God really wanted me to truly live my best and happiest life, then that would include seeing some titties. <laughs> Jordan, I agree with you 100%. I'll concur, yeah. I personally loved this movie i dug the absolute hell out of it part of that is down to the wonderfully written script which is co-written by one of my personal favorite creatives in comics tim seeley who co-created the incredible horror book hack slash and has also done some nightwing writing and as I was watching it, I already knew he he wrote it, but I was like, yeah, this is very much 
a Tim Seeley script because he's also written like uh you know similarly horror stuff like uh Revival, which I ah, haven't gotten to revival. yet. I personally did love the script. It it was a great contrast between our lead characters that honestly works. Kato Asi as Angie and Shayna Sherutin as Sally. They both play off each other so well, both in their wild differences, but also what does bring them together. Well, and I agree with you, Jordan, that the script is good. I I, I did have a couple of problems with it, and I think that's because I can see the influence of a, of a couple of different people on this script rather than just maybe just one main voice and one main writer. But I will agree with you wholeheartedly that the two lead actresses in this are very good. And thank goodness that they are, because of course, they're all you get. I mean, they're the two characters on on screen pretty much the entire time. And if they couldn't carry this, this whole thing would have just gone to shit real fast. Uh, I, I saw this as something, you know, that could have even been done as a play because you've got two people in a room, basically. And that was the thing that kept me engaged was our two leads. You know, I'm with you guys. And I have to admit that when I first started this movie, I hit this entirely cold. I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't read the synopsis. I just kind of signed up for the review and said lock and load. And when I started this, I was a little worried. I'm like, "Ah, I don't know if these performances are doing it for me. But then I realized that there's a lot of this that the actress who plays Sally Mewborn, who is our religious right character, she has a lot of, you know, biblical preaching and things like that. And what I realized is that was a character choice. She's reciting these things by rote almost to the point where they have no meaning for her anymore. She has, you know, regular routines. She's got an answer loaded for everything. It's all very artificial and insincere. And as the movie goes on, she has some moments where she starts, you see the cracks in the veneer and then allows that more sincere side of the character to come out. And I'm like, oh, no, that's not a bad performance. That's an intentional choice that makes sense for this character. But yeah, what you're talking about is is the, the religious person's facade that just becomes, like you said, the rote performance in front of everybody else. So that that sort of just becomes their face for everybody. The two characters are, are sort of interesting because, in a sense, you're dealing with the stripper with the heart of gold, kinda, and the self-loathing, self-righteous person, kinda. But they do enough with them to make them at least interesting and not just those two tropes. And most of that comes from their interaction, which, as Ray pointed out, better be good because that's most of the movie. That's also down to what I thought was a great directing turn by Luke Boyce. This is his first feature. He's uh, he's done a couple of shorts and a documentary before this, but this is his first narrative feature. Yeah, uh, he did a great job, particularly I noticed with uh, a montage towards the start where we're seeing Angie go about like a usual workday for herself. Uh, I thought that was brilliantly done in the score of this. Hey, it's the 1980s, you're in, and it's a horror movie, so you're going to get some synths, and the synths are awesome. The soundtrack, all of the music choices here were really great. I don't know that the 80s setting necessarily lends itself to the story any more than that. I think you could have set this just about any time, except for... I don't know that uh, peep shows are nearly as prolific now as they were in the 80s. There are still some places... I, I do believe that have a peep show, but if it's going to be like really modern to be like, oh, it's a cam girl 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. Exactly. Yeah, that is the most modern way I could think of it. But honestly, I thought the nineteen, the setting of the nineteen eighties actually does work because it ain't too dissimilar from how things are feeling today. It feels like we are just going right back where we were, and so I feel like the nineteen eighties setting here was very nicely done and very prevalent. It gives you the opportunity to to make comments about today without actually being literally about today, even though it very distinctly could be about today. But it also plays into the that that 80s satanic panic garbage that some of us got to live through. Um, so I guess in my my question before about the protesters is kind of silly because I've seen the protest literally everywhere else. Why would they not be in front of a strip joint, too? No, and Lorraine, you're right. It that the whole satanic panic, that whole atmosphere, that was something that I really got, and I'm going, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it and it's there, and it's prevalent. And then you get into this booth with these two people, and you don't have all the protesters around. But that's one of the things that because you have this character, and we've talked about her, that is so rote in all of her Bible verses and everything, you never forget what, you know, those protesters were out there trying to do, effective or not. You never forget what they were trying to do. And then we go through the plot, and there's a couple of things that are a little bit contrived, but then, and I don't want to spoil this, but then by the end, you realize that they weren't as contrived as you thought because mm-hmm. you then figure out where you actually are. Yeah, this movie proved me wrong several times. Uh, I did want to circle back to the direction on this and the cinematography. Luke Boyce does a great job here. And the cinematographer is Robert Patrick Stern, who folks will probably most remember from The Stylist from uh, 2020, which was another film that was oh, very deliberate, yeah. very beautiful. That explains why Jill's name's in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that's what kind of elevates this beyond, like you said, Ray, a a stage show. Um, I think Mm -hmm. stage shows adapted for movies or movies that could be stage shows are great things. I think it it helps for uh, intimacy and really bringing you into the movie. But I think sometimes it can be a little boring. This avoids that pitfall by being a very gorgeous very deliberate film i mean it not only is it great because at most we have three characters on the screen at time it's very tight that way but also sometimes those characters are separated by a wall and we have a camera set up where we've got one on one side one on the other one's got blue lighting one's got red lighting one's got a picture of a giant ass on the wall one's got a picture of cleavage on the wall like there's there's lots of duality here lots of storytelling through visual medium and on top of that all of the subtext here which i really don't want to go into because there's a lot of spoilerific stuff there really just made me fall in love with this yeah it is a beautiful looking movie too and i do have to say this movie does actually have some very effective scares with Mm -hmm. it as well it it very much takes those moments to just really be like boo to you and it's effective it's useful and i think even think uh the little glimpses you get here and there of these creatures they're amazing yeah, the, the gore and creature effects in this are pretty good for what I'm guessing is probably not a really high-budgeted film. Yeah, no, I, I'm guessing it's pretty much no budget, except that, you know, it's impressive for a first feature for this gentleman, what uh, the kind of team 
that he was able to put together. And even though it's a no budget film, it's a small film, it's, you know, not a big team, anything like that. It makes me look at this film and not only like this film, but it makes me look at it and go, Ooh, I hope I get to see more from this person and this person and this person. And that to me is, is another really a wonderful sign of a first feature when I want to see more from people. All right, gang, let's move into some final thoughts. Uh, Jordan? I love this movie. Amazing performances in a very tight, very close, very intimate atmosphere. It's great. So much wonderful uh, character work, too, and great direction. I was very, very impressed by this movie. I really loved it. So I'm going to give it nine tacos out of ten. <laughs> Wayne? <laughs> Um, yeah, this is a this is a good job for first for a first feature. It looks good. It sounds good. The cast is good. The setting is fun. Yeah, I think overall this is. I want to see what everybody else involved in this is going to do next. Um, it should be worth checking out. Uh, I'm going to give this three point seven five out of five crowbars. All right, Ray. This is something that when it first started, there was a lot of cliche kind of things, 80s things and th all at the beginning. And I'm going, oh, yeah, I don't know. And then every minute that it went on, it grew on me. And I really ended up liking this film. I encourage anybody who's going to watch it, hey, stick with it. This is this is going to be better than you think it's going to be you know, when it first starts out. So uh, it brought me, in, you know, in a good way and in a bad way, it brought back a lot of memories of that time. So uh, anybody who's from the 80s or anybody who's ever had uh, either ultra-religious uh, people in their lives or even strippers in their lives, <laughs> there's some things in here you're going to recognize. Uh, it's a great first feature. And like I said, as it went on, I liked it more and more. So I am going to end up giving it 8 out of 10 Bibles, New International Version. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, here lately, people have been talking about Jurassic World Dominion, and I promise this is all going to be relevant. And one of the big things I, I see in that is that it seems like Steven Spielberg doesn't quite marshal nostalgia very well. I think he's a great creator of things that will become nostalgic, but then calling upon those for another taste. Uh, we've got two out of three indie sequels and the rest of the Spielberg related sequels just are not my cup of tea. What this movie does is that it, it marshals that sense of nostalgia very well. And uh, I mentioned Paper Street Pictures at the top of the show as the production company who put this up. You'll remember them from Scare Package, uh, The Pale Door come to mind. And Scare Package in particular is another one that really traded on some of that 80s nostalgia, that VHS nostalgia. And it, that's on display here as well. And it's marshaled to very good use. It's very effective, very minimalist, too. They're able to get away with a lot by doing very little. Uh, it's very evocative, and I enjoyed that. The performances are great. This is a lot of fun. And I, this this seemed like a more uh, creative critique in my head. But then I realized that this gentleman was involved in Scare Package. But this movie would be a perfect addition to a Joe Bob Briggs at the drive-in Monster Vision late at night on cable. You're watching with your friends. You're getting little interstitials from Joe Bob and Darcy the Mail Girl. This would be right at home in that genre of movies. And uh, that's where it hit me the most acutely. And for that, I think I'm going to give this four out of five blasts from Gabriel's Trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gang, anything else to get out there before we uh, we bounce? 
No. No. Does anybody want to repent? Ooh. No. No. no, no, no. no. Okay. No, fuck now. 